Okay, welcome back. Yacht People is the next story we are looking at in Andrew Lamb's short story collection, Birds of Paradise Lost. Yacht People uh, begins in this way. How you doing tonight? Hot? Yeah, sure is hot. We're having a tropical heat wave, folks. So hot, it reminds me of coconut trees and thatched roof huts. It makes me think of myself as this impossibly handsome little boy playing with his dog, or, as so many of you are fond of putting it, playing with his food. Yeah, I was, as I was saying, I was playing with next week's menu, getting him to roll over in fish sauce and lemongrass, jump in the walk and play dead, when suddenly Mama, right, she showed up with this bag and says, kids, we got to blow this joint. Well, actually, Mama didn't say that exactly. She said, now listen, because this is from Vietnamese to English, okay? Like with a bamboo flute going off in the background. So hear me out. Oh, filial first son, from sacred land, from the sacred land in which our umbilical cords are buried, we must take leave due to communist cruelty. They put your honorable father in the re-education camp. If we stay, they'll send us to the new economic zone. We have no choice but to commit this forbidden sin. Please go, bow to your ancestors, light incense and beg us forgiveness, beg for forgiveness before we leave. And filial first son, don't forget your toothbrush. I was seven years old. I was like, what? What I do now? All right, so this is a great story here. What, there's something very different about this, right? And so we, we're talking about three, three kind of key ways to, to look at literature and three ways to come at literature uh, that I think are very helpful. And that is through speakers, settings, and structures. Three S's. Speakers, settings, and structures. And so the speaker here, uh, this is clearly uh, someone who is speaking to a group of people uh, in a comedy club, or so it seems, right? This is a comedian doing a, a stand-up act. And, and yet it's not. This is a short story. And so it's a short story that is posing as a comedy act. Um, and so right away, we have a speaker who is a comedian. We have an audience, a group of people who have come to a comedy club. Um, from the introduction, introductory paragraphs here, it seems that it is a largely Vietnamese audience. Uh, we get that as it says here, or as many of you are fond of putting it, playing with his food as he messes with the idea that Vietnamese people eat dog, um, as they do. That is a, that is a, a part of the, the Vietnamese cuisine. Um, it's also part of the Thai cuisine. It's also part of the Chinese cuisine. Much of, much of Asia, not all of Asia, but several countries in Asia um, eat dog. Uh, they don't eat their pets. Uh, that is a mis misnomer, um, but they do eat a certain type of dog. And it's pretty common, actually. Um, so speaker, how does that influence how you read this text? If the speaker is a comedian, he's looking for what? He's looking for laughter. He's looking for connection. He's looking for shock value. And so his use of irony will be very strong. Uh, so keep an eye, an eye out for that. His, also his use of sarcasm and understatement and overstatement will also be at play here uh, for the comedic shock, but also as the, it is also a short story for a way of communicating ideas and what ideas are being communicated through this short through this comedic medium is pretty fantastic. So um, if we kind of slip farther into this, uh, there's a paragraph that starts, um, 
he wanted to be in rock and ro- in a rock and roll band at 17, right? Because he's really good with them drums. But she wanted him to be a doctor. And he started to kick it back to her about American individualism and American dream and shit like that. And Mama, she just held up her finger with that little scar. And that shut him the hell up. <laughs> um, I used to, I love that, 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 that scar as a symbol. That is a great symbol of what sacrifice, of love, of history, um, of a journey, right? Of a, of a physical, emotional journey. I should say emotional, spiritual journey as well. Um, of her undying love for him and sacrifice for him. That scar represents all those things. And so... Uh, and so that, that's a, this family dynamic is communicated through the mother, who is this very powerful, sacrificial figure, who is, although she is, is uh, made fun of in a way, in a lighthearted way, there still is this deep respect and, the, and, and this, this very clear communication that she uh, rests and, and resides at the heart of the family. She is the heart of this family. Her strength is what has, has brought them through. Um, but all that is communicated in a very comical, ironic way. Um, if you look a little farther down, it says, Me, on the other hand, no good, dishonorable first son. I am the only one who got to slap my mama and get away with it. Once, right, she took her favorite cocktail, rum and Robitussin, and she fainted right there on the kitchen floor. Everybody was acting like they were chickens without heads. My sister, Leanne, was doing her prissy ditzy made gone with the wind routine. Mama gonna die, mama gonna die. So I slapped her first to shut her up. Did the pre-med boy do anything? Nuh-uh. He froze. It was up to me, the yellow sheep, the strayed lamb, the screwed up among scholarship kids to become a mama slapper. So I dropped and rolled, and straddled my mama right there on the kitchen floor and slapped her. Wake up, mama, wake up. Slap, slap. My siblings, they both stared. They were shocked. I looked over my shoulders, and there was also this awe in their eyes. They were like, you slapped the saint. The truth was, I was doing something they all fantasized about in their sleep, in their dark, their deep, dark, wet dreams, but never admitted it. I was bitch-slapping the queen bitch-slapper. Mama not only believes in corporal punishment, she holds seminars on it in Little Saigon, sort of like Confucianism and the joy of S&M 101. Mama showed Chu love wit cane? No, no. No, uh. Not sugar cane. Bamboo cane. <laughs> so he's messing with her accent here. But here, what, what, is, what is at the heart of this? And, and how, do, what, what do, how do we read this closely? Well, um, the character, this, this comedian, has set himself up as a quote-unquote black sheep. Well, what does it take to be a black sheep? As he says, it's any Vietnamese son or daughter who doesn't go to med school as a black sheep. It's any son or daughter who doesn't live up to the expectations. But he doesn't leave it at that. And he's not just sour grapes about, about disappointing his parents or his mom. Um, he's communicating something important here. And the tension is this. What is the, this tension is between freedom and loyalty, right? Freedom and loyalty. He is free to do whatever he wants. But there's also this very deep, essential loyalty that he doesn't really... Sorry, that he that he clearly honors, but he makes fun of here, right? And but even in his comedic approach, there is this sense of honoring of the loyalty of his mother. 
and of this deep sense of loyalty that lives inside of him. Uh, and yet there's that tension between freedom and loyalty. He, he has a, a clear passion for what he does. Um, and yet at the same time, he wants to remain loyal and he wants to continue to love his, his mom and his family. Uh, a little farther down. It took me years in America to get used to eating oysters again, folks. And only when it's on ice and comes with vodka and a horny smiling chick who thinks that shit is an aphrodisiac. But it's crazy. For one thing, it was like, why the hell do I have to pay so much money for them when we had to be slapped silly before to eat it? For years, whenever I see an oyster, I get nauseated. I feel like I'm on fucking Gilligan's Island again. Fuck that. Give me a quarter pounder, man. You know what I'm saying? All right, so here, the blending of the very painful with the very comedic is an ironic uh, technique that our author uses. Um, this, I, this, this very traumatic, painful memory um, of a very painful journey with uh, the blending of the new freedoms that they are enjoying as Americans. But in their flight from Vietnam, the very painful, traumatic nature of that um, he doesn't let go of that. He communicates that that was there, but he juxtaposes that with these new freedoms. And, and in, this, in, in doing that, he explains his love for and his desire for uh, freedom and the American way. Um, all, again, in light of his love for and his longing for, his nostalgia for his homeland in Vietnam. All these tensions at play that, that don't really get resolved, I suppose the one resolution is that he lives in tension. And that's a, that's a very important thing, I think, to kind of pick up from this text. That this, this tension he, he describes, the tension that is felt by these, these Vietnamese refugee communities. In these communities is a deep tension. A love for the old home. A love for the old homeland. Um, which he recognizes doesn't exist anymore. But also in that, a love for the new homeland and the freedoms that they get to enjoy now. And he, he, he kind of you know, makes fun of the Vietnamese way. He really does point to the, to the fact that um, he and his Vietnamese community are, are hardworking, dedicated, focused, driven. Because they were without opportunity long enough to know how sweet it was. And then when they regained this opportunity in America, they, they didn't look back. You know, it was just full on commitment to taking advantage of every opportunity that lie before them. All right, let's look at the end here. Wake up, mama, slap, slap. I was slapping her on the behalf of all oppressed Asian kids who had to do our homework and eat the shittiest food, like catfish and stinky, high-to-heaven shrimp paste when everyone else in the neighborhood had macaroni and cheese with spam. I was slapping her on behalf of emasculated Asian boys who grew up under the fiery breath of dragon ladies and all the teasing we got for being poor FOBs fresh off the boat. I was slapping her for making me leave next week's menu behind. Um, wake up, mama. Okay, so these are, again, comedic presentations, comedic twists on very painful, traumatic things. Um, uh, comedic twists on, on some of the things that he suffered under as a Vietnamese refugee as a displaced person. And yet at the same time, this is his mother, right? And this is their journey, the journey they experienced together. Painful, but real. Painful, but with an ending that gets them in a place of freedom. And all that is kind of woven in here in this tone. Wake up, mama. 
oh, she woke up all right. We knew she was okay because she opened her eyes, right? Looked at me and with her Terminator grip, she grabbed my hand in mid-slap and she started slapping me with it. Mama survived. Hell, we all survived. The truth is honorable number two did really well. And so did Leanne. They're doctors now. Last year, honorable number two bought a big yacht when he moved to Sausalito. He took us all around Alcatraz and Angel Island. We drank champagne and waved to all these skinny blonde people on their yachts who looked over at us kind of funny. Why? Maybe because mama. She brought her rice cooker and she wore her conical hat, black pajamas and Prada purse and squatted right there on the deck to make us lunch. But so what? We ain't fresh off the boat. Ain't FOBs no more. We've got fabulous oriental booties. We're flamboyant oriental balladeers. We've got fantastic Oda biographies. It's like, look at us now, man. I mean, really, look. We're yacht people now. So again, as he wraps this up, he, he draws together these, these tensions, the suffering, the trauma, the sacrifice, the, the, the desire and the the drive to survive and to thrive. He uncovers, it seems, in this short story, much about the Vietnamese kind of psyche, at least the, the Vietnamese psyche as he understands it. Um, I hate to make a big generalization that all Vietnamese people feel these things or feel this way, and I don't think he would say that, but he is describing one type of Vietnamese experience, and that's an important one, one that involves a lot of pain, a lot of struggle and trauma, um, but that also involves a lot of success because of the response to that trauma that was to put the head down, to get serious, to slap yourself across the face and get to work. And there's something about that that he both celebrates and criticizes because in it all, there is struggle. In it all, there is this, this sense of um, regret at what's been lost, but also a fire to gain something new. Um, I, I love at the end here, we're yacht people now. Uh, that is a transition from, from what? Uh, they were called FOBs, fresh off the boat. They were boat people. Uh, they are very famous for being called boat people. That is the Vietnamese refugee community that escaped from the communist regime coming to take them captive. They escaped usually in the middle of the night on boats and, 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 uh, what's the term, and gave themselves to the open ocean in hopes that they would be picked up by um, other vessels that were, were moving to different countries, other peacekeeping vessels, um, vessels from America and all around the world who would take them to safety and allow them to start a new life away from an oppressive communist regime. So this transition from boat people to yacht people is a great way to close this. Um, with, with kind of a sense of pride in accomplishment, um, in in the fruits of all that hard work, of all that dedication that he he laughs at and critiques in some ways, but in a, in a deeper sense seems to honor in, in this very comedic approach to the struggles of the Vietnamese refugee people. <laughs>